Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox. I'm a compliance evangelist and I'd like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series sponsored jointly by Skillsoft and Stone Turn entitled Partnership of Products and Services for Your Compliance Program. In this podcast series, we consider the code of conduct to risk assessments to continuous improvement in a best practices compliance program with representatives of Skillsoft Stone Turn. I know you'll enjoy it. Now a word about our two sponsors. Skillsoft. Skillsoft's compliance solutions provide legal ethics and workplace safety training through a full suite of customizable compliance training options. Skillsoft partners with industry-leading subject matter experts to develop accurate and engaging courseware and videos available in over 30 languages. To learn more about how Skillsoft can help your organization meet regulatory requirements and mitigate risk, visit skillsoft.com backslash compliance. Stone Turn. Who do you turn to when you need assistance navigating the emerging risks from the pandemic or enhancing your compliance program? Who do you turn to for on-demand compliance resources and expertise? Turn to us, Stone Turn. Since 2004, council corporations and government agencies have turned to global advisory firm Stone Turn when facing their greatest challenges. Make Stone Turn the first place you turn for advice on regulatory, risk and compliance issues, investigations, and business disputes. Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox, back for another episode, and today I have with me Jamin Tyler. Jamin is Managing Director at Stone Turn and a fellow Wolverine, so go blue. Go blue. Uh, first of all, welcome, and thanks so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Well, thanks so much for having me. So, Jamin, uh, we're going to take up risk assessments, and I was wondering, um, many compliance practitioners still struggle with this uh, basic component and building block of an effective compliance program. Could you maybe start off by giving us uh, your top five tips for conducting an effective risk assessment? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the, the first thing that um, we recommend that everyone think about um, when they're putting together risk assessments um, is really thinking about all of your risks. Um, so typically we think about risks as falling into kind of four buckets, um, financial, operational, legal slash regulatory, and reputational. Um, most companies are pretty well versed in conducting risk assessments um, for financial and operational risks, um, but legal, regulatory, and reputational can be just as harmful um, as uh, as either of the financial or operational risks as well. So we also recommend that people um, think critically about those two issues in addition to the kind of more traditional financial and operational risks. Um, also considering the scope. Um, so scoping a risk assessment is really crucial. Um, you know, conducting a holistic risk assessment of the entire operations that consider all the risks, um, that's ideal, um, but it can kind of be impractical for um, a lot of companies to do. Um, so targeting specific risk areas, um, whether it's a particular risk type, a particular kind of subject matter, um, regulatory area, even breaking it down to specific geographies or business units um, can be both more efficient and can help make sure that you're actually conducting um, risk assessments on a timely basis. 
Um, we also always recommend leveraging data. Um, you know, a lot of companies now have um, these great enterprise resource management systems um, and other reporting tools. Um, some may have external data analytics um, with, that they use in their operations. Um, so these can be extremely helpful in the risk assessments, things like um, accounting reviews, whistleblower reports, third-party management tools. Um, they provide the sort of real-time data that um, can reveal the sorts of hotspots for potential issues. Um, so always making sure that you're leveraging that, that information is, is really key. Um, connecting with the right stakeholders um, is number four. Um, so you want to make sure that you're always talking with um, individuals with kind of the most knowledge about um, your company's operations, um, how it's actually, uh, what practices are actually on the ground, um, as well as what the compliance culture is really like. Um, this is going to depend a lot on the scope of your risk assessment. Um, but it will typically include senior management, um, individuals from legal, finance, internal audit, uh, human resources, um, communications, marketing, all sorts of um, areas. So you really want to think critically about what the types of risks you're reviewing for and who would be the um, type of people and which roles would really have um, the most knowledge about what's actually going on on the ground. Um, finally, putting your findings into practice. Um, we found a lot of companies, even if they have really great um, risk assessment um, processes, they put together these great reports and then they just kind of sit there. Um, this obviously isn't enough. You really, it's not just, it's not enough to just identify risks. Um, you really have to address them. Um, you should be always using the risk assessment findings to um, benchmark and evaluate your compliance program um, so that you can develop um, enhancements and improvements going forward. Um, by reviewing also um, the changes that you make, um, you can also assess how well those changes actually worked when you conduct your next risk assessment. One of the additional challenges that many compliance practitioners are finding in this era of COVID-19 is actually how can you still do the robust, fulsome risk assessment that you detailed uh, during this time? Do uh, I assume you guys have had to face that challenge? How do you advise clients who are actually engaged in a risk assessment when, uh, in many ways, it has to be done virtually now? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's definitely tricky, uh, for sure. I mean, most people, when they think of conducting risk assessments, it's very much conducted on the ground, um, reviewing, doing on-site visits, talking with people in person. Um, but you can still absolutely do risk assessments remotely, um, and you should be. Uh, part of um, what you may have to do is, is reassess the scope. Um, you know, there are certain types of risk assessments that, um, that you may not be able to do right now. Um, and to the extent that a risk assessment does rely on, um, on kind of in-person evaluations, uh, you may need to, to rethink how, you've, how you do that um, and how you might be able to, to leverage um, kind of virtual and um, uh, like webcasting, that, that sort of thing. Um, you may also just need to uh, evaluate whether these are things that you can um, push off um, or whether you need to kind of rescope and refocus um, the, the risk assessments themselves. Um, but as I mentioned, technology is really helpful. I mean, we're all using and getting really used to meeting with people over Zoom. So um, interviews typically are, are a very important part of um, risk assessments. And 
we can absolutely do them um, remotely now. Um, documents should also be available electronically. Um, so to the extent that you're relying on the sort of reports um, and um, you know, financial information, uh, most of that is typically available online, uh, we're finding. Um, if it's not, you may have to you know, designate one or two people to maybe scan documents um, on site and send those to the rest of the team. Um, but for the most part, this, the information is, is generally um, available. It may just take a little bit longer to identify where it is. Um, and again, you know, you may need to evaluate whether you can do um, site visits um, via you know, webcam or, or some other way. You, need, you may need to get a little creative with um, how you're using technology. Um, but you can also use internal company data. A lot of information that one might gain um, during the risk assessment um, process, it may be available elsewhere. Um, and so, again, this is sort of goes back to connecting with the right people, um, you know, talking to um, the folks in finance and accounting, um, IT, finding out uh, what information already exists um, that you can leverage that you may have otherwise um, uh, done through kind of more on the ground um, type reviews. Um, it's also really, really critical though at this point um, to communicate internally the importance of these risk assessments, especially to um, employees who may not typically have been um, helping you out quite as much, um, but now because you do have to leverage these other kind of sources of information or you may need to talk with different people, um, they, may be, they may be new to this and it's very important to kind of stress the importance of these uh, risk assessment processes um, and explain to them why their responsiveness um, and candor is, is uh, really critical to the process. Um, finally, you know, leverage those materials that already exist. Uh, you may already have um, risk uh, information about risks in your industry or geography or business line. Um, these can be both internal and external as well. Um, and you should also think critically about, you know, the new risks that have arisen um, during COVID-19. Um, and these can, can help supplement the interviews and other information that you collect um, during your risk assessment process. Kim, and as you know, we've had two major releases of information from the Department of Justice and Securities and Exchange Commission literally over the past six weeks. Uh, June 1 was the 2020 update to the evaluation of corporate compliance programs. On July 2 was the FCPA Resources Guide, second edition. Uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, in reference to those documents, that certainly in the 2020 update, the DOJ spent a fair amount of time talking about risk assessments. I think we all understood the importance of a risk assessment, but my sense was they were really focused more on how a company would use a risk assessment. Did they use that as the basis for continuous monitoring or continuous improvement? Did they incorporate that in their into their strategic planning? What did you see in one or both of those documents around risk assessments that uh, probably added to their importance? Well, I think one of the, the key things that have been stressed, um, as, especially in these 2020 updates, is that it's not enough to do, you know, one risk assessment every, every year or every few years and think that that's enough. It's really something, um, they, the DOJ really wants to see more than just a sort of snapshot in time approach. Um, they, they want companies to be continuously reviewing 
um, information as it comes in and reevaluating risks as things change in real time. Um, so this includes not only looking at risks within your organization, but also externally. Um, obviously, you know, being aware of what's going on in your industry, what risks are um, you're seeing or enforcement actions that you're seeing against uh, companies that are similar to yours, either, you know, in the same business line, operating in the same um, geographical spaces, um, those with that rely on similar types of vendors and suppliers. Um, they want companies to, the DOJ really wants companies to um, pay attention to what's going on um, and also obviously pay attention to what's going on uh, in their companies as well. Um, you should make sure you have a robust whistleblower um, hotline that allows you to, to see uh, what people are communicating internally. Um, it, your in, uh, investigations procedure should include uh, a review of what's going on and, and why things are, are occurring um, so that you can identify potential new risks that are developing um, or ways in which your risk profile may be changing. And then of course, as you alluded to, uh, making sure that you, know, you take these lessons learned from incidents both within your organization and externally um, and are integrating those lessons learned into enhancements to your program. Um, so to the extent that uh, controls or procedures um, may need to be tweaked or changed or even new procedures or controls developed, um, you should be doing this on an ongoing basis. It's, it's not enough anymore to just be doing this kind of a, a, a once a year uh, basis. Kevin, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time, but I was wondering if listeners wanted more information on any of the topics you've talked about in this podcast. Where can they go? Absolutely. Um, so you, you can find us online at uh, stoneturn.com. Um, I'm also available on uh, LinkedIn. Um, that's, and I'm sure we'll be able to find my name is a little odd, but they'll be able to, to find that online as well. Jamin, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me, and I look forward to continuing the conversation. All right. Thanks so much. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of our special five-part podcast series on the products and services for your compliance program, sponsored jointly by Skillsoft and StoneTurn. I have linked to the StoneTurn and Skillsoft website in the show notes, so check out those websites for more information. Additionally, if you enjoyed today's podcast, I want to let you know about an upcoming webinar both Skillsoft and StoneTurn are hosting. The webinar entitled Evolving Your Compliance Program will be held on Wednesday, September 23. We'll explore how companies are leveraging data and information to improve and evolve their compliance programs. Check out the show notes in this episode to sign up, register, and obtain more information. I hope you'll join us again for another episode of this special five-part series which is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks so much for listening, and I look forward to visiting with you again.